This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Uh, good morning, Professor Gershon. Is your campus starting to fill up this week? Good morning, Liz. Well, they're starting to enforce parking, as usual, again, so <laughs> I guess we're getting close. There are a lot of people moving in. It's an exciting time at the university. Uh, I'm always happy to have the students back, to be honest, because you know the place seems kind of empty and dull without them. But today, uh, we are so lucky to have as our guest, Professor Antonia Ellison, because uh, she is a tremendous resource for our students and for our university. Um, she practiced law in uh, in London and in Hong Kong. She clerked for a judge uh, on the uh, uh, international investment, uh, excuse me, on the, uh, now I've lost my mind, but on the uh, <laughs> Court of Justice, European Court of Justice in Luxembourg. Um, she uh, brings a great background in uh, international trade law, and we're going to talk about tariffs today, so we're, we're lucky to have her on the show. Thanks so much for coming, Professor Ellison. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Well, and this is such a timely topic. In fact, uh, on Money Talks, where they were talking about financial news, and they were talking about uh, tariffs in Turkey. Uh, But uh, let's let's just start at the beginning uh, with uh, tariffs and trade. What is a tariff, and who gets to levy? a tariff. Okay, great. So first of all, I want to say that that part of the interesting thing is that, you know, my my area of international trade law used to be a somewhat sleepy area of law, at least for a number (laughs) of years. And now suddenly it's really a hot topic, which obviously I I quite enjoy. But um, tariffs, very simply put, are basically taxes that are placed on goods that are imported or exported. And the goal of a tariff is generally to make imported goods more expensive, which will consequently make domestic goods more attractive. So I like to use a nice, simple example that I also use with my students. So let's imagine that you have a television set, and the TV costs $110 if it's manufactured in the U.S., but it costs $100 if it comes from China. So consumers are probably going to pick the $100 TV. They're not going to pick the $110 TV because generally consumers want cheaper goods. So if you want to increase the sale of domestic TVs, you can impose a tariff on the Chinese TVs. So for instance, let's say 20% tariff um, makes the Chinese TVs $120. So now instead of them being $100 to the American TVs, $110, they're $120 to the $110. So people are more likely to buy the U.S. TV. And that's like the the, the original goal of tariffs. And if you think about the sort of positive aspect to them, that is how they are intended to work. But obviously, things get a lot more complicated than than just this this numeric example. And again, as I said, this is sort of a simplification. But basically, they're a tax on imported goods. Well, before we get into the the, the whys and wheres of tariffs, what 
what I'm wondering is that uh, $20 extra tariff uh, that's imposed, where where does that that money go? Where does that go into the Treasury? Does that go where that, that China passed to pay, you know, in our example, where does that money go? That's a really good question. And the money usually goes to the government that's imposing the tariffs. Um, I think actually there was a recent report regarding the amount. It's several billion dollars that the U.S. government has collected based on tariffs on steel and aluminum, which is great for the U.S. government. But as we'll talk about as we get into this topic, um, there are a lot of knock on effects for consumers. So consumers don't really get to see the benefit of this, right? For consumers, that Chinese TV is now more expensive. The U.S. TV is still the same price it was, and they've been foreclosed the option of a $100 TV. All right. So now let's, you know, between countries, how are tariffs uh, determined? What, how, what, uh, how do they arbitrarily or not arbitrarily decide uh, this is going to have a tariff, this isn't? Uh, how, is it, how are they determined? So tariffs are set by each country, but they are constrained by commitments that are made internationally to reduce tariffs. And so these commitments are internationally binding. The World Trade Organization, the WTO, um, they maintain a schedule of tariffs that each country has committed to. And generally, the countries will set a maximum tariff, which is known as a bound tariff, above which they are not allowed to impose tariffs. If they do, that's going to allow the other countries to retaliate. But what they often do is, let's say you set your bound tariff, the maximum tariff at, I don't know, 20% on a certain good, you're actually going to be imposing a tariff of maybe 5% so that you have some wiggle room. Let's say your economy is struggling because there's a an influx of imports or for whatever other reason, you have the flexibility then to increase your tariffs up, uh, up to this maximum bound tariff rate. And the way this works in this tariff schedule, um, we have what's known as the harmonized tariff system. And basically, it consists of thousands and thousands of codes for every kind of product that you could possibly imagine. Everything from finished manufactured products to components, or I always enjoy when I do this with my students, we look at some of the weirder categories. For instance, artificial flowers have their own category. Wigs made with human hair versus wigs made with artificial hair each have their own tariff code. So you can really get down to the extreme minutiae in terms of imposing the tariffs. Now, part of what's going on now is that we're imposing tariffs beyond our bound rate. But as long as you stay within the bound rate, there is flexibility. And really, since the 1947 establishment of the General Agreement on Trade and um, Tariffs, which was the, the goods agreement that preceded the World Trade Organization, so the WTO comes about to be in 1995, but from 1947 to 1995, one of the focal points of the international trading system was really to reduce tariffs. And that's been even before we had the GATT in 1947, reducing tariffs is one of the best ways you can encourage international trade. Now, non-tariff barriers are another kind of trade barrier, and those include things like subsidies. They're more complex, but there are also rules governing those in the WTO. 
So that's how it works internationally. Now, domestically within the U.S., the current administration has been using some tools that basically predate the establishment of the WTO, um, and in particular, Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974. Um, there was a recent investigation that back in April um, determined that China was basically improperly using intellectual property. So Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974 authorizes the president to take action to eliminate trade barriers that are imposed by foreign governments that violate international trade agreements or that are unjustified, unreasonable, or discriminatory, and that basically restrict U.S. commerce. So Section 301 was that first round of tariffs that were imposed. Um, the issue you know, that, that came out of that, it wasn't even about the investigation or with the finding. The problem is when the U.S. imposes retaliatory tariffs against China, we're allowed to do that. But we have international rules. We're only allowed to do that if we go through the WTO dispute settlement system. We file a complaint. We say, hey, WTO, China is violating their commitments under the WTO with respect to intellectual property, um, and then go through those channels. But what happened is in April, we basically listed these products imported from China that were going to be subject to tariffs because the investigation found that China's policies are coercive in getting American companies to transfer technology and intellectual property to domestic Chinese firms. The other domestic trade mechanism that's been in the news a lot is Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act of 1962. And this allows additional tariffs to be imposed on goods if this is in the interest of national security. National security-based tariffs have not been litigated in the context of the WTO, and it's actually unclear if they can be reviewed because that's so key to national sovereignty. So that was what was used as a justification on imposing tariffs on imported steel and aluminum products. So that's kind of a nutshell. I mean, there's a lot of nuances and a lot of different rules that come into play, but we're dealing with both international rules and we also have some domestic trade policy instruments that have existed now for decades. But Antonio, you know, it, it definitely affects consumers, but it also, like, let's say I'm a manufacturer and I rely on parts that I buy from China to make my goods in the United States. That's going to raise my cost on the goods that I buy from China, isn't it? Yeah, and absolutely. This is one of the areas that I think consumers are going to be worst hit by the trade wars because, you know, you think about, okay, you know, maybe certain goods that are imported, like my simplistic example of a TV set. But yes, when you're looking at component parts, um, or even if, you know, you're putting tariffs either on component parts or putting restrictions, basically, so, so increasing the tariffs by 25% on steel, domestic steel is more expensive than imported steel. Any good that uses steel, cars, for instance, are going to become more expensive because the components that go into the manufacturing. And we're not really seeing the effect of that quite yet, because that takes a while until you kind of go through the inventory and get to the point where this actually starts directly affecting consumers. But certainly that is going to be the biggest way that the average person who's not in agriculture is going to experience these tariffs. When I started researching this topic for our show, uh, I came upon uh, an analogy that I had when my son was five. So when we talk about the Chinese intellectual property uh, violations, so then we impose tariffs, well, then they 
uh, imposed tariffs to meet our parents tariffs. It's like when my son was five and he would do something naughty, I would give him a punishment. Well, he is mad that I gave him a punishment, so he's going to do something even worse. And it and it just can become uh, an escalation. Um, do you see with with China? Um, have we come to a you know? It's, where, where's the point to ending the escalation on the tariffs? So, unfortunately, I don't see any ending point at this point. I mean, we haven't even fully imposed close to the amount of tariffs that we have said we're going to impose, uh, impose on China. I think at the moment it's around $50 billion. We've said it's going to be $200 billion. In fact, latest numbers say it might even be more. Um, some of the estimates or some of the, the rhetoric that's come out has actually suggested that they're going to impose more tariffs on China than the full amount of trade that we have with China, which is just not realistic. Um, but absolutely, this kind of trade war can escalate. Now, what's kind of interesting in all of this is that the U.S. has actually, at the same time that they decided to impose tariffs against China, they did actually go to the WTO and file a complaint that China was violating the WTO rules on intellectual property. And at the same time, then, China also filed a complaint against the U.S. for imposing retaliatory tariffs. And the EU and Canada have brought a claim against the U.S. for imposing the tariffs on steel and aluminum. So there's a lot of stuff going on in WTO dispute settlement, including the U.S. trying to use it simultaneously while imposing retaliatory tariffs. So there is definitely a tit-for-tat kind of escalation that's going on. Well, this certainly is a timely topic that we're going to be getting into this hour. Um, I know this uh, we're hitting you a lot this morning, but if you have any questions, let's go ahead and get them in now. Uh, We're going to continue with our discussion of tariffs with Professor Antonia Ellison from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Now, remember the area code, folks. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'd especially like to hear from you if uh, if you're a farmer, if uh, you buy your business buys parts, Uh, from other countries. How do you feel like our tariff discussion will affect you personally? You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Well, we realize that not everybody can listen to our whole show live. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. That way you can listen to our shows at your inconvenience. And uh, Professor Gershon, we've got a bit of a contest going on on who has the most subscribers. We checked yesterday. In Legal Terms is tied at number one. But we're tied with Fix It 101, uh, the home repair show that's on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's hosted by our director of radio, Jason Klein. So I know that. Uh, law school orientation is coming up uh, this week, so maybe you could suggest that the new crop of students uh, subscribe on uh, iTunes or Podcast Addict or Stitcher or however they get their podcasts. 
Well, you know, there's actually the show I think would be helpful to law students, and I have 109 students in my girls <laughs> class starting next Monday, or Tuesday, I should say. And we'll at least recommend it to them. So, we, we you know, I, I think Fix It 101 is a great show, but, uh, you know, I'm, I think we can pass it. <laughs> All right. Well, this morning our guest is uh, Professor Antonia Ellison from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking about tariffs and trade wars. We've just kind of laid uh, the groundwork for that, and we have three calls uh, that are uh, pending, so now we're going to go to uh, Cenotopia. Connie, you're on the air. Thanks for calling in legal terms. Well, how are you? I was just listening to your program and enjoying it, and um, tariffs have been around forever and ever and ever, and as a matter of fact, before we impose the personal income tax that supports our government from each one of us paying out of our paycheck to support our government. Tariffs was the only thing that did support our government. So everybody acts like tariffs is a brand new thing. It's not. And it has always been an income for our government. I was kind of shocked that you asked her who got the money for the tariffs. And you didn't know already that tariffs have been implemented for ever since we've been in existence. Well, that's why I listen to public broadcasting, as you you learn the things you missed in school. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, you know, everybody seems to think that it's such a big deal now because uh, Donald Trump is the boogeyman with tariffs. But, I mean, they've been implemented for years. I'm not exactly how many years, but they were our sole support for our government functioning before we got the income tax, which I can't remember exactly what year it was. But I just wanted to make that point. Thank you so much, Connie. We appreciate you doing that. And in fact, uh, I guess we could say tariffs were responsible for the uh, uh, the revolution with the the tea tax. That was a tariff, isn't that right, Professor Ellison? Ab- yeah, absolutely. And I think you know it's it's absolutely true. We've always had tariffs, and tariffs can serve a very important role in generating revenue. What's happened now, which makes the situation a little bit different, is the fact that we have imposed tariffs above what we have committed to. And when you commit to something and you bind yourself to this, we're imposing tariffs also that are retaliatory tariffs without going through proper channels. The other thing about tariffs versus personal income tax, um, personal income tax is something that's sort of prorated based on income. Tariffs are ultimately going to hurt the people with the least money the most because that sort of extra money that they have to pay for the good is going to affect their wallet more than someone at a higher income level. All right. And so we have been talking a little bit about tariffs and we've mentioned uh, the World Trade Organization, which uh, is the one that uh, is an international governing organization that came about after the uh, the GATT, uh, the General Agreement on Tariffs, which started in 48. So is that uh, the laws that the United States and hopefully the what is it the G20 that they uh, follow that uh, applies to tariffs? Yeah, so the international trade regime is currently sort of the, the all of the agreements are under the umbrella of the WTO. The GATT as an agreement still exists. It is the exact same agreement as it was in 1947, and that governs our trade in goods. Um, all of the countries, I think the membership of the WTO is 160-something countries, maybe 170. It's almost every country in the world, Russia, China, they recently exceeded within the last 10, 15 years. 
And that's one of the things that keeps us from getting into these trade wars. Because while tariffs do serve an important function, this whole tit for tat back and forth, if you don't have a set of rules that controls or at least limits what countries can do, you can end up with just constantly escalating tariffs at, that ultimately will hurt people at every part of the globe, everyone who actually deals with goods. And let's, you know, think about it. Goods are perhaps, the, you know, they're the most tangible, movable thing that we do deal with every day of our lives. So, yeah, um, with the, for instance, with the claim that we, the complaint we brought recently against uh, China before the WTO regarding their intellectual property, we brought it uh, under the argument that China has taken measures that violate the WTO TRIPS agreement, which is the intellectual property agreement. Um, interestingly, by the way, to put that in perspective, we're not the only ones who have issues with what China is doing in terms of intellectual property. In June, the European Union also filed a complaint against China with respect to their intellectual property. So the whole point of the WTO is to kind of serve as a forum where countries that think that their trade rules or that the international trade rules are being violated, that they're being unfairly treated, they have a mechanism whereby they can go and appeal. And if indeed it's found that there's a violation of trade laws, then you can impose retaliatory tariffs. So those mechanisms do exist. It's just when you start bypassing it and you know putting up these tariffs willy-nilly, that's where it sort of becomes an issue. All right, and we've got a couple more calls that our listeners have uh, wanted to participate on our show with. Now we're going to Biloxi, and Paul is on the air. Thanks for calling in, Paul. Yes, um, thanks for taking the call. Um, the question for the professors is, do they believe that tariffs are essentially a tax on the consumers since the price of goods will, will go up and whether or not that would cancel out any type of um, tax cuts that have been recently um, enacted? Ooh, this way we get tariffs and taxes that hits both of our experts. It really does. That's an excellent question. I mean, absolutely. Tariffs are a tax on the consumer. You, you're absolutely right, Paul. This is something that the consumer is going to be paying more for goods. And as we were talking about, the money goes to the government. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That is exactly how they function. And, and, and Tony and I were actually talking about that during the break, that, you know, in a way, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act gave uh, some cuts to, to people in lower income brackets. Um, and larger cuts to people in higher income brackets. The people who will pay more for goods as a percentage of their income are people in lower income brackets. So a lot of that's going to come back. And we're already seeing some manufacturers are having to lay people off because their costs have gone up. Uh, so that's going to have an impact as well. So a lot of the uh, benefits that people uh, thought they were going to get from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will go away because of the tariffs. All right. Thank you, Paul, for calling in. Now we're going to go to Calhoun County to our friend of the show, Dudley. Uh, Dudley, thanks for calling in today. Thank you. And this is a great subject. My question is, uh, farmers who produce soybeans and meats and all these, these goods that are really affecting the farmers right now in price, does that mean that our food supply will go down instead of going up as it usually does since we're not able to uh, to get all of this uh, into the, the other countries? And really, if uh, besides China can go to Brazil and your South American countries and get all the soybeans and everything they want, this really does, as far as I'm concerned, leave the farmers in such a stretch. 
did I make sense? You, you yeah, did. No, Professor absolutely. Ellison, can you speak to that? Yeah, and I mean, I you know, the, the issue with farmers and soybeans, so what will happen with the food supply is, for instance, soybeans are not being exported, and the U.S. has, over the last few decades, built up a huge presence in the international um, export of soybeans. I mean, we've been exporting soybeans to everyone, and China knew exactly which... Uh, products to hit that would hurt the Americans the most once we impose those tariffs. So what ends up happening is actually the supply of soybeans goes up. And um, so not only are there tariffs on soybeans of 25% now that China has imposed on U.S. soybeans, so that means that they're buying soybeans from other countries because obviously nobody's going to want to buy these 25% more expensive soybeans. But apparently this makes things even worse. We are due a record soybean harvest because the weather has been really favorable to soybeans. And record harvests, as anyone in agriculture knows, means lower prices. That's exactly what happens when you have a glut of the agricultural um, commodity. But also the loss of overseas markets is also going to depress prices because there's only so many soybeans that we can use domestically. So we have a glut of soybeans domestically, nowhere to send them, and we've built up a global market in selling our soybeans. The USDA, the Department of Agriculture, actually published a report last week that indicated that because of the trade war and because of the possibility of a record harvest, soybean futures are way, way, way down, which means that farmers are going to be making much less money and it could possibly be devastating. Devastating. So we're really going to see farmers immediately impacted in a way that consumers who are, you know, buying washing machines or cars are going to be affected, you know, six months, a year down the line. Our farmers are going to be affected right away. Well, we'll just have to tell our uh, Deborah Hunter on Deep South Dining, our uh, MPB Monday at 9 a.m. show, to start giving out a lot of edamame recipes so everyone can uh, incorporate more soybeans into their their diet so we can uh, purchase some of this extra crop. Sadly, I think that even if everyone in America started eating edamame every day, we would not get close to actually hitting what we've been exporting. But I love edamame. My four-year-old son loves edamame, so I love that idea. All right. uh, Plant-based. I mean, it's all about plant-based, you know. (laughs) There are discussions that soy milk can't be called milk anymore, but maybe we need to keep it being called milk so people will use that as well. All right. Well, now we're going to take our next break. Uh, This morning we're talking about tariffs with Professor Antonia Ellison from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Robert and Steve, hang on. And if you've got a call, we would love to hear how you feel uh, the tariffs have already impacted you, how you worry about they're going to impact you. Um, and if you've got uh, any questions about how our our trade is working, give us a call. Our number is one 672 7464 and that's uh, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, you can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Think Radio on MPB. You're listening to MPB Think Radio in legal terms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and he's sitting alongside Professor Antonia Ellison, also from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and we're talking about tariffs and trade wars and the U.S. and all these current events. Uh, yeah, Professor Gershon, you got to, you snuck in an extra tax show uh, when we weren't paying attention. This is wonderful. Thank you for the suggestion for this topic. So really, so happy to work with uh, Antonia every day. I'm lucky to have her uh, on this faculty and, work, and be her colleague. So I'm glad to have her here. All right. We do have a couple of calls that have been patiently waiting. Uh, Robert from Vicksburg, we're glad you called in. Go ahead. Uh, yes, ma'am. I just had a comment or two about the uh, products made in China. From my experience, they are, they're not the quality products that you buy that are made in America. I don't know much about their quality control over there, and I'm talking about manufactured products, but like like I say, the experience I've had with made in China stuff, it may look like what you think you're buying, but a lot of times it just looks like a, a product that's not really usable, and they don't last. Thanks, Robert, for that opinion. I know when um, we had the drywall situation a few years back, a, a, a number of people uh, found that that same situation. So, uh, you know, we we are blessed to live in a country that has a lot of regulations that try to keep us safe. I do want to note that, like, uh, one thing about Chinese products is that they also manufacture a lot of components that go into products that are made in the USA. So it's one thing if you buy, you know, a porcelain bowl that's made in the USA, because obviously that's made in the USA. But if you buy something with small parts, very often the small parts are actually imported from China, and you still get to call it made in the USA. Um, and some things we really rely on China for. So one of the big ones that, you know, I'm just warning people out there, this is really going to affect people. China has the world's only sources of many of the rare earth minerals that are required to manufacture semiconductors, which are what go into your smartphones, your laptops, uh, uh, your smart refrigerator, your smart washing machine, anything that's smart, right? Um, if they sort of restrict access to these rare earth mineral-based manufactured products, uh, we're not we're going to be paying a lot more for all of these things that we sort of take for granted. And one of the problems we also have is that American manufacturers are not willing to manufacture in the U.S. So, for instance, Apple makes all of its products in China because it makes the products cheaper. Um, shifting manufacturing to the U.S. I, I can't remember. I read some years ago what the cost effect would be on the price of an iPhone but it would at least double it, which, again, you end up with these really, you know, the, the, these things that you look at the knock-on effects that occur from having increased tariffs and a trade war, and it can impact a lot of different respects. I mean, I will say, you know, products in China, it really depends on what you're getting and who's making it because those Apple iPhones are made in China. So for Mississippians, um, the tariffs that the United States have has imposed uh, for people purchasing our goods, it'll affect Mississippians because maybe those goods won't be purchased, but then the retaliatory tariffs uh, of 
Americans, Mississippians purchasing goods from other countries will be affected because those prices will go up. Is that correct? Yeah, and I want to give you an example that I found particularly striking. And actually, in my trade law class that's starting up next week, it's one of the first articles that we're going to read and talk about because I think this is a really perfect example of just how broadly tariffs can affect American companies and American consumers. So, again, as I've said earlier in the show, most U.S. manufacturers use a combination of components, some from the U.S. and some that are made abroad. Some domestic components are prohibitively expensive, and a number of consumer goods, as we talked about, even made in the U.S. will become more expensive. So the example that I found that is really striking is boat manufacturing. The American boat manufacturers, they use a ton of steel and aluminum in manufacturing boats. Obviously, we've imposed a 25% tariff on all imports from across the globe, so they have to use domestic steel and aluminum, which is far more expensive. So first of all, their components have gotten more expensive. But that's not where this tariff story and trade war story ends. In retaliation for the U.S. administration tariffs, the European Union put some retaliatory tariffs on U.S. goods. One of the products they put them on are American boats. So now, not only is manufacturing the boat more expensive, which makes the boat itself more expensive, but they've imposed fairly high tariffs on American boats that are brought into the EU. So people in the EU are not going to buy American boats because now not only are they more expensive because of the components, but they have a tariff added to it. So if you think about that as really a microcosm of what is happening to a lot of manufacturing industry within the United States, boat manufacturers, and that's something that certainly affects a lot of Mississippians because I know how much people love to have their boats and love to go out fishing. This is something that's going to have a very immediate impact on people, and it also may put some of these boat manufacturers out of business because they rely on selling abroad, not just selling to U.S. consumers. All right, and we have a number of calls on the line, so now we're going to go to Senatobia. Steve, thanks for hanging on. What's your question or comment for our show? Well, I guess if you've been replaced by foreign goods, uh, you probably got a different outlook on this, but probably we should have had tariffs a long time ago. Uh, the industry that I started working in, well, I think we had 50,000 people in it. And uh, when they opened the gates for China to start making it, uh, it, took, it took several years, but eventually replaced 99% of those people with uh, foreign uh, goods. Now, I think Americans can compete on a level playing field, but uh, when you're competing like China, where the uh, industrial conditions are not good, uh, the pay is not comparable to what we have, uh, almost slave labor in a lot of in a lot of cases, and uh, we can't compete uh, in, in that situation. Uh, I don't see how our country has done as good as it is done by letting these other countries uh, run over us. Uh, as uh, President Trump said, has raped us over the years. But uh, uh, it's been going on so long, now we get to a point where uh, we want to try to stop it, and now it seems like it's so painful to stop it. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Uh, so I don't know what, what to do, but uh, it, it's terrible when you lose your job to foreign uh, competitors. And then the government has to pay you unemployment. And then if you're not able to find a job, then they have to give you some more support. They retrain you. And all that comes out of the taxpayer's pocket. So 
it's a terrible thing. I guess that's my comment. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. You know, I guess that that is something that we all need to realize is that, uh, you know, some person's cheaper commodity uh, is another, you know, another person. It affects them uh, maybe with their producing or with their jobs. And I think one of the important things here, and, and absolutely, you know, uh, the, your comments, Steve, were, were absolutely on point. You know, we lost a lot of jobs to outsourcing because it was a lot cheaper to, to um, you know, to manufacture elsewhere. And it's true. The cat's out of the bag in a way. You can't, you know, it's kind of like you can't put the baby back in the womb. You can't put the cat back in the bag. Once you're there, um, things get a little complicated. And I think, you know, you can't go back to the olden days. Um, but we are we're completely dependent now globally on what are known as global value chains. And global value chains are basically how you get different components and commodities from all over the world to put together to actually make a finished product. And that is how everything works globally at this point. There's also another challenge which at this point, the manufacturing jobs that were lost, say, 30 or 40 years ago, while it was a great tragedy for the manufacturing sector of America, they're not going to come back. But right now, we're about to lose more manufacturing jobs because of these new tariffs. Like my example of the boat manufacturers, I mean, people are losing jobs. People are already being laid off because of this. And so there's going to be another round of you know pushing people into lower-paid service economy jobs, while at the same time, we also have to recognize that economic development is uneven around the world. And some of the challenges, for instance, to how China has used intellectual property are not reflective of them being corrupt or evil, but are really reflections on how the globalized world doesn't account for different paces of development. So we need a more sustainable approach to international trade that takes into account both domestic manufacturing needs, domestic job needs, but also development agendas, and the trade wars that currently exist, the trade war and tariffs increases, are not going to help with that in the slightest. All right. We have a couple more calls to get to. Uh, we'll get to one of them at least before our next break. Uh, from Jackson. Uh, Rover, we're glad you called in. Go ahead. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I believe uh, the she had just touched on this. But whenever Apple manufactures this stuff, not only are they manufacturing it for cheaper, but they also have hubs there where they have all of their parts for the iPhone. They're made within, you know, a few hundred miles of each other. There's also consolidation of manufacturing that's going on whenever you're in China because they'll have things in Taiwan or maybe in South Korea and then in China. So they bring together all these things, which is something that we can't just do overnight in America. So if we put these tariffs, it's not like we'll have, they'll have an option of, hey, let me make it here because they already have so many resources, factories and minerals and all those things that are already there in that area. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's the problem is, is, again, this is the global value chain issue. Once you have these distribution and manufacturing networks set up, um, to try to dismantle that and bring it domestically, it would be incredibly painful for everyone in America, from people who are working to people who are consuming. And, Antonio, don't you think we have a better chance of getting this uh, to a better place if we sat down and talked to these other countries and try to work out something that, that is more compatible for all of us on a global level? 
people as opposed to us doing something unilaterally, which then causes a reaction by them. I mean, I think absolutely. We are currently, though, dealing with a global situation where, you know, the gap between those who have and those who have not keeps growing. I mean, income inequality is growing everywhere in the world. We have uneven distributions of resources and wealth. We have increasing environmental problems caused by climate change. We have a lot of things to deal with. And when you start dealing with these crises points, um, it becomes harder to sit down and talk because everyone kind of looks inward because you do want to protect the people of your country, even if at some point what you think is doing to protect them will actually hurt them in the long run. All right. Well, we are listening to uh, Professor Antonia Ellison from the University of Mississippi School of Law and our expert Professor Richard Gershon, who is also a professor there. Um, We're going to take our last break of the hour. We're talking about trade and tariffs. We have time for maybe just a couple more phone calls. Um, Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, And if we can't get to your call, if you have a question, you can always send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. I feel like I've just learned so much from this hour. So if you've missed any of our program, please don't forget, you can go back and listen to the whole show on our website, mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. That's way number one. Uh, Number two, if you have the MPB media app on your smartphone or your software on your computer, that way you can listen to our local, listen to our show or our local shows. Uh, The third way is the podcasts, which we would love for you to subscribe to in legal terms on a podcast. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon and our guest, uh, Professor uh, Elena Ellison from the University, Antonia Ellison from the University of School of Law. And we're talking about uh, tariffs and how in this world economy, they all affect us. We've got three calls we're going to try to get to to the end of the hour. Let's, I think, uh, Elizabeth in Elizabeth in Tate County, you've been holding on the longest. Uh, go ahead. Thanks for calling in today. Uh, you may have already addressed this because I tuned in late, but the, the last time I looked at the Constitution, which was about five minutes ago, Article 1, Section 8 gives Congress the power to lay duties and imposts. And so I'm just wondering how the president, acting against the advice of economists and businessmen and certainly the agricultural community, can do this on his own. Where is the supine Congress? 
So that's really interesting. Actually, the authority um, for some of what's happened, Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974 actually directly authorizes the president to take action to eliminate trade barriers that are um, imposed by foreign governments. Uh, Similarly, Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act, um, which has also been used as justification, also involves uh, basically an investigation that's done by the U.S. uh, Trade Representative's Office. They're the ones who are in charge of trade policy. So while the Constitution, in terms of levying taxes, has the power, when it comes to tariffs, because they're on foreign goods, that tends to rest with the administrative bodies that were created, like the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, and the executive as well has the authority, because this is kind of more part of the treaty-making powers of the Constitution, but an excellent question. All right. Thank you so much. And next, we're going to go to Mandeville, Louisiana, and Steve is on the line. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, I just wanted to kind of point out, I'm, I'm in the uh, music business, and there was a, a phone number you could call a few years ago that you could ask, you know, what what, what, cut, what products were made in your industry in America to try to buy American. Well, nothing was. Nothing in the music business. I'm in the audio business, uh, you know, set recording engineers. None of the stuff is made here. And people that, that you know, complain about buying from, they're not going to pay the extra price. You know, you go to Walmart and look at a shirt or go to some, you know, tailor-made shirt and pay 10 times the amount for it. People, you know, they, they like to complain about that, but they're not going to spend the extra money, you know, to, to buy made in America. And that's a big problem when you have, you know, when you have a higher cost good, people are going to choose the cheaper goods. Um, you know, I'm someone who tries to make a conscious decision to buy American whenever possible. I, I you know, search through yeah, the towels at Walmart. Five times as much, you, you know, you're going to go, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, the tariffs, unfortunately, are just going to make people poorer and they're not going to be able to make those choices either. So, you know, that's that's a real issue. And it's so true that nothing in the audio business is manufactured in the U.S., yeah, although in recent not, years it's come back in a bit. It's not just the tariffs. It's that, you know, you can pay people $12 a day instead of $22 an hour in, yeah. in China. Yeah. You know? So, sorry, folks. Uh, if you want to pay more for your stuff, go ahead, but you're, you really don't want to do that. So you want, you want it made as cheap as possible, and let me make it. All right, and this is this is why we're having this uh, discussion today is because uh, even though we're thinking about China and tariffs, it, it affects affects all of us in our everyday lives. Uh, we've got our last call of the hour is Hernando. Chris, go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, I have been listening, and uh, there's a lot of good points been made, but I think I think my point I'd like to make is this is such a overly politicized um, issue in our country. Um, we have facts that have been laid out for us. Uh, the, the left will not accept anything that the president wants to do as a, a good thing for the country. It, it, there's nothing you ever hear about what President Trump has done to bring back our economy. What's the GDP, the the highest it's been in 30 years or so? Um, There's facts that says we have a deficit of over $350 in trade. 
I think what America, why the reason they voted the way they did, now the left say he didn't win, but we have a president now that vote that, that ran on a platform to bring our jobs back. We got children coming out of college that they don't have jobs. That it's that's the issue. So why do we want to level a level playing field for our tariffs? It's it's not to increase the the cost of goods, which I think the professor's right. It will increase the cost of goods, but that's the price of that's the price you pay to to increase the jobs we have available. We lost all of our manufacturing because of NAFTA. I mean, that, these trade policies that Clinton put into place, um, you know, they have they sent our jobs overseas. What? do we have to offer for future generations if we continue status quo? That's This is too politicized. Take the facts and examine the facts. The facts are we're getting cheated. We've been getting cheated in tariffs for years and years. China has admittingly stolen intellectual property, used it to, to make cheaper goods that they're selling back to us. It's I never hear a good thing about what the president's done, and he has done good things. If the left will just start laying out facts instead of propaganda, let the let the people decide for themselves if they want more jobs. Chris, I, I uh, am glad you've brought up that point. That echoed a lot of what Steve had said about a lot of our, you know, jobs moving overseas. Um, Professor Ellison, we have one minute left. What uh, would you like to leave our listeners with? So I, I think one thing that I want to say is that we are better off with trade than without. If we have unilateral tariffs, if, if it was possible for us to impose tariffs and nobody retaliated, then yes, we would be better off. But that's not the way it works. We impose tariffs. Other countries impose tariffs against us. And when that happens, even with the best intentions, we are going to lose jobs. Because when things, when our goods are no longer desirable abroad, they're not going to be sellable and people are going to lose their jobs domestically. So it's not a political issue in this sense. The problem is a trade war is a tit for tat. It's a back and forth. And trade wars are not easy. They're not good. And there is no good outcome of this unless we come to some sort of a balanced solution. And that will wrap us up. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Professor Ellison. We've really enjoyed having you here today. Uh, thank you, Professor Gershon from uh, the University of Mississippi School of Law. Mississippi, so glad to have that great institution helping to form the minds of uh, our next generation. So Thanks this for is, having me. This is going to wrap us up for today. Our call screener for today, I think, was Java Chapman. And our board engineer here in Jackson has been Jay White in Oxford. We're so glad that Paul Bennett is available to help us out. So we'd like to thank you all for listening today. Our next hour is going to be a Southern Remedy. It's our Tuesday show with Dr. Susan Buttress. But we hope you'll, you'll join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.